0: that freedom we can have in christ grab your bibles if you would please this morning i trust i have the microphone on correctly do i have it on correctly all right i see a thumbs up up there excellent we're looking forward to the week i know people have busy lives and uh and all kinds of things going on so much stuff going on Uh, but uh, i really believe that as we make time for the Lord in our lives he richly rewards us and so uh, we'll be singing every night and uh, preaching every night and uh, we'll just uh, look forward to what the lord has romans chapter number 16 if you turn there with me we'll be in a number of passages this morning Pastors have the opportunity to get to know, at least they should, get to, get to know their people in a deep way as time goes on. Um, that's, a, that's a privilege that a pastor gets to do. An evangelist such as myself doesn't have the opportunity to get to know people quite as deeply simply because we're not in one place for very long. But what we do have is the opportunity to get to observe things kind of in fast forward so we're perhaps at a church one year and then two years later we're back at that church kind of doing a circuit type of things uh i'm seeing a couple people telling me they can't can you all hear me you might turn me up just a little bit perhaps uh that would be helpful thank you so much brother or sister, I can't tell if it's brother or sister up there, but whoever's up there, thank you very much. If I, i as a singer, as I travel, I sing and preach all the time, and I try to be careful because I, if I overspeak, speak, uh, I'll make myself hoarse, and you won't want to hear that uh, during the week. So, uh, but as I as I travel, we get the opportunity to see people, kind of snapshots. And so we notice things as we travel to hundreds of different churches over the years, right? And so, uh, and we do, don't get me wrong, we do have friendships that we have and we have good friends, etc. But uh, there's something that I'm noticing. And as I enter into, as we finish out and now start our 21st year of traveling on the road, uh, I've decided to make some, uh, just focus in, is probably the best word, on doing the best job that I can possibly do to help churches see things ahead of time. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I think in our culture, perhaps you've noticed this, we've lost the ability in our culture to have actual dialogue. You You can't have a discussion with anybody anymore. Because if you do, if you disagree with someone, according to them, that means you must hate them. It shouldn't be that way. Of course, we I guess, shouldn't be surprised that the lost world has lost the ability to discuss things. But when it leaks into the church and people in the church lose the ability, among brothers and sisters in Christ, to discuss things in a God-honoring manner, now we're in trouble. So what I want to start out the week with, which might seem odd to you, I don't know, but it's something that I've started doing here just this fall, is I wanna start with a framework that hopefully you can take with you and you can apply in your own life, whether it be among friends or family uh, or enemies, for that matter, I suppose, uh, to help us differentiate and know how important a topic is so we know how much energy to devote to it, all right? So the title of my message is gonna give away three categories that I want us to consider this morning, and I'm going to title my message simply this, Fusses, Fights, and Funerals. Fusses, Fights, and Funerals. Fusses, I'll explain them, and then we'll go through each one, all right? Fusses are things that aren't very important, but we make a lot of noise about, (laughs) Fights are things in a middle category that some people don't think exist. Some people don't think there is a middle category. I believe from God's word we can clearly show there is a middle category of things that are not fundamentals of the faith but are nevertheless more important than just a preference. So that's the middle category. The first category I call, the first one we're going to deal with in detail, I call a funerals category. And the reason I call it a funerals category is that it ought to be Uh, These are issues that we ought to be ready and willing to give our lives for. So Romans chapter 16, verse number 17 this morning, says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, there it is, which ye have learned, and avoid them. Paul here is clearly challenging us to be observant, to be vigilant, right? To make sure that we mark those that are different than the doctrine we've learned. And we'll learn, excuse me, we'll review here in a moment what that doctrine is. But the point that I'm trying to point out is that we are responsible to mark them you know, when your pastor uh, decides to name someone, which I don't know your pastor really well yet, but we're getting to know each other. And if I guess his uh, personality and such properly, I kind of doubt that every message he's pointing people out all the time and naming names and all that type of stuff. It doesn't strike me as that type of person. But I'll tell you this, when he Uh, thoughtfully and biblically points out the error of a way of thinking or someone who's representing a false gospel don't get upset with him he's doing what he's supposed to do and you know in a lot of our churches today in our country unfortunately people don't like people the pastor the preacher to call out specifically uh, folks who are teaching false doctrine why because that's not nice one speaker i heard recently said that there's an 11th commandment maybe some of you've heard this the 11th commandment is thou shalt be nice and if you're not nice it's like wow that you could be just you know someone can be dead wrong but don't you dare point it out Listen, Paul here says we have a responsibility, particularly those of us who are preaching and teaching the Word of God, to mark them. We'll go to Galatians chapter number one. Galatians chapter number one. I purposely don't write out or just quote verses because I like to turn to them uh, myself, and that also helps me time out how long it takes other people to turn to them. Sometimes we as preachers can uh, get so rapid that we can beat everybody to it and everyone's like, "Why well, even bother turning there because he'll quote it before I get there but i'll try I'll try to uh, uh, turn to them myself as well. Galatians chapter one verse six. This is some pretty serious stuff here that Paul deals with. I marvel that you... <coughs> Excuse me, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto, here it is, another gospel, which is not another. <laughs> hmm, interesting. But there be some that trouble you and look at this, would pervert or twist the gospel of Christ. So, Paul, we read just a few moments ago, mark them which cause divisions. contrary to the doctrine which we've received here he's talking about the gospel of christ what's he talking about here well we've got to be careful that we don't pare down what paul means when he says the gospel because there's a tendency to think of the gospel as only the plan of salvation you know that okay we're sinners christ died for our sin he rose again and i need to trust him in order to be saved we tend to think of that as the gospel and, of course, you know this, I'm sure, already. Gospel means good news, etc. And the fact that our sins can be forgiven is certainly good news, amen? I mean, it is good news. But there's more to the gospel than just that. There's more to sound doctrine than just the plan of salvation. In fact, uh, I know these are big words for this morning, but, but uh, there is, God does not have an eternal purpose that is soteriological. In other words, the purpose of God... Exist his, his existence is not to save sinners. Now, does he save sinners? Well, amen. I raise my hand, right? He does save sinners, but friends, the purpose of God is not primarily soteriological, the purpose of God is doxological, meaning he exists for his own glory. That's why we can say that God gets glory out of judging sin we believe and know that god's word teaches that it's not god's pleasure that any should perish but will some yes does that mean god failed no he still gets glory i don't claim to understand it by the way uh, the last time I understood how the free will of man interacts with the sovereignty of God, I was a sophomore in Bible college. Because sophomores in Bible college, you know, we understand everything, right? <laughs> so I don't, I don't claim to understand how that works. And, and maybe that's one of those mysteries that we'll be able to just spend eternity talking with the Lord about. But I can tell you this, that the purpose of God is, so, is, is doxological. He gets glory, even when he's judging sin. So when we come over here to this, this category here, Paul says anything contrary to the gospel of Christ. And what's the gospel of Christ? Well, gospel just means good news. Do you realize there are different gospels in the Bible? What? Different gospels? What are you talking about? Pastor, who have you brought in to your pulpit? Get them out of there. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I'm not talking about salvation by works. I'm not talking about, oh, well, you know, grace only happened in the church age. No, that's not true. Noah found what in the eyes of the Lord? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Salvation, friends, is a wonderful truth, and we can trace it all the way through Scripture. But I will tell you this, that there are certain things that we know that Abraham didn't. Aren't you grateful that we don't have to pray, take not thy Holy Spirit from me? Amen? Yeah. I mean, David could pray that, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We don't have to pray that prayer today, friend. Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells us, and the Bible teaches that he seals us unto the day of redemption. In other words, we're just like a jar of pickles vacuum sealed, right? Yeah, you have to know the original languages to uh, get the pickles illustration, but uh, (laughs) I just like that illustration because when you open a jar of pickles, it you know it's been sealed. Now, I don't think it, when we get to glory, you know, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that way. But, uh, but we're sealed. And I know that's not the direct application, right? It's a different type of seal. Uh, but it still ends up being the same truth that the Holy Spirit indwells us. Well, well, that didn't happen in the Old Testament. This Holy Spirit could come upon someone and leave them. Remember Samson? Remember Saul? Sometimes we forget how Saul started the Holy Spirit came upon him and he prophesied with the prophets. That's why some people ask, hey, uh, is Saul among the prophets? The gospel of Christ, Jesus Christ appeared to, to Paul rather personally, which is why he says, I'm an apostle born out of due season, because in order to be an apostle, you had to be personally taught by Christ. And Christ appears to Paul and gives him Uh, in Arabia, gives him the whole layout for what we call the church age. We might talk about that more later on this this week, but that's why he says, look at verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Wow. In fact, it's so important to him, he repeats himself, doesn't he? Verse 10. Verse 9, rather, and as we said before, so to say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the sum total of, sometimes we call it the fundamentals, right? Uh, funeral level issues that with, without which you do not have the plan of salvation. For example, Jesus is God. Amen? Without that fundamental principle, without that pillar, you don't have the plan of salvation. You have to have that. Jesus is God, 100% man, 100% God. Without that truth, you don't have the gospel. You don't have a plan of salvation. That's a funeral level issue. We ought to be willing to give our lives for that. Yes, I believe Jesus Christ is God, always has been God, always will be God. He didn't become God like the Mormons teach, right? Uh, He he didn't uh, uh, give us the uh, pattern so how we can all achieve godhood if we just try really hard and hold our breath, cross our fingers. No, friends, that Jesus being God is vital. Uh, uh, The fact that he rose bodily from the grave, that's a funeral-level issue. If Jesus Christ is not risen, then what? We're of all men, most miserable. We're wasting our time. The uh, fact that really the first few words of the entire Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You realize if that's not true, you don't have the plan of salvation? You see, we guard yourselves. We all ought to be on the lookout for any who would pare it down, pare things down, not pare it as in a bird, but pare, P-A-R-E, it it down to say well it's only about the the plan of salvation that all that really matters listen without the undergirding without the foundation you don't have a plan of salvation so we have to stand up and say yes i believe these things and you can't shake me from it and i'll i'll go to jail i'll give my life for these things because without without this you don't have the gospel I find it interesting that Paul says, "Though we are an angel from heaven," I. Uh, there are several. Did I just unplug myself? All right, I'm so good. Good. Uh, there are several religions that try really hard to look like uh, conservative Christianity because they know they can fool people, and Mormon doctrine is one of those. Latter-day Saints. Unless anyone think I have a personal vendetta against individual mormons i don 't I have a burden for several, some in particular, and i don 't yet know how the Lord is going to use me to be able to be a witness in their life. but where did they get their doctrine from? They got their doctrine from a uh, from Joseph Smith who got a, a, an angel quote unquote appeared to him moroni right that 's why they 've got Well, we won't go into hashing out Mormon doctrine. We'll just say this. Paul says, if an angel from heaven preaches something different than what we've taught you, he doesn't take a dim view. He doesn't take a soft view, does he? Let him be accursed. You know what, friends? I don't know where this finds you this morning. And I know we're kind of going through categories. But if you need some steel put in your spine to stand up for the truth, let me encourage you. Don't back down from any of the fundamental truths of the word of God. Stand strong in an era when no one wants to stand. You know why we can stand against the uh, perversion that's coming in and harming so many people? It's not because we hate other people. It's because we believe so strongly that God created them. God didn't make a mistake when he made you a man or a woman, a boy or girl. He has a purpose for you. It's vitally important, friend. The Bible is the inerrant word of God. Listen, if we don't have an inerrant word of God, friends, we don't have the word of God. I'm so grateful for the fact that that we have, this is another thing, by the way, that we have that Abraham didn't have, that Moses didn't have, that even the disciples didn't have, is the completed word of God. We don't have to rely on dreams and visions and and uh, and casting lots and all these different things. No, we've got the indwelling Holy Spirit who illuminates His Word to us. Wow, what a privilege we have! Funerals. Beware of anything that confuses the gospel. Are, are you still in Galatians chapter two? If you are, I'm going to be in verse nine here in a moment. But funeral level issues. Right? There are such things. There are things worth dying over. I also want to submit to you that I believe biblically there are some things worth fighting over. You say, wait a minute, brother Ben. Isn't that unloving to fight? Okay, well, let's talk about it. All right. So funerals are issues, are our beliefs, our truths that we ought to be able to ought to be able to defend. And ought to be willing to give our lives for fights are. This is how I define it: issues that are not fundamentals, but are nevertheless important for Christian life and growth. You don't have to turn here, but do you remember a guy by the name of John Mark? Yeah, John Mark, right? A couple of you remember him. Uh, John Mark, uh, he went on a missions trip with Paul and Barnabas. In fact, if I remember correctly, I believe he was Barnabas. Nephew. Well, they're ministering, da, da 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 In the middle, John Mark quits. Boo. So when it comes time for round two, Paul says, hey, Barnabas, it's time to go. Let's get going. Let's get packed. Let's pack the car. Let's load the trailer. <laughs> that's modernizing a little bit, but that's how I think of it, right? It's time to go, Barnabas. Barnabas says, all right, I can't wait. Let me go get John Mark. Paul says, uh-uh. Barnabas, why not? He quit on us last time, says Paul. Well, wait a minute, but he had this going on in his life, or he had a stomach ache, or whatever, you know. <laughs> Barnabas, son of consolation, right? He's the encourager. He said, oh, he'll, he'll be fine. Bring him along, it'll be fine. Paul says, no, I'm not bringing him. The Bible says the contention, there's the word where I got fight from, the contention between them was so great that what happens? They split up. Now, let me ask you, did they split up over a fight, or, excuse me, a funeral issue? Was this the gospel? No, it wasn't. Was Barnabas preaching a false gospel, and now Paul had to take a stand against him? No, no. It wasn't that way. It was a fight. I, I am a separatist. I believe that the Bible teaches that we need to separate from false teachers and those who promote it. Uh, the Bible clearly teaches that. In this category, though, I wouldn't use the word term separation. I would use the term compatibility. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that here are, is a, diff- a strong difference of opinion on whether or not they should take John Mark. This isn't a funeral level issue, but it's more than a fuss because they can't agree on it and they end up splitting up over it. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 9 says this. And when James Cephas, that's Peter, of course, and John, who seemed to be pillars, pillars of the church, that's where we get the terminology from, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Of course, this is not the book of Acts, Paul is in Galatians remembering a time past when uh, the, when the outbirth and the growth of the new church and, and all these doctrines were being taught, I mean, this was tough. In fact, Peter tells us, Paul says some things that are hard to understand, right? And there was some uh, a hesitancy. Is this really the truth? Is this really? So they say, hey, come on over to Jerusalem. Let's check out the doctrine. Let's make sure this is really the truth. Because if it is, we'll marry ourselves to it. We'll go with it. And, of course, they find out, yes, this is the truth, and they support Paul. But look at verse 10. So, in other words, verse 9 is dealing with the Gospels, dealing with what I would call funeral-level issues. Look at verse 10. Only they would that we should remember the poor. In other words, they're saying, James is saying, and Peter is saying, and John saying, listen, okay, uh, uh, this is good. This is good. This is, this is the truth. Let's go forward with this. Paul, you're going to go to the heathen or the uncircumcised. We'll continue to take the message to the circumcised, to the Jews of of this redemptive work and that Christ has fulfilled the law, et cetera, et cetera. But let's, Paul, would you just be sure to do one thing? Would you make sure you remember the poor? Now, is that part of the gospel? Not, Not really. But had they not remembered the poor, could it affect a view of the gospel? Well, yeah, it could put a bad taste in people's mouths, right? By the way, Paul says, the same which I was forward to do. In other words, I, I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> He's going to remember the poor. This is a, what I would call a fight issue. In other words, it's still important. It's not part of the gospel. It's not like Jesus is God or, or God created the heavens and the earth or the physical return of Christ. I mean, it's not that level, but it's still important. Mark chapter 9. Go over to Mark chapter 9 if you would. Go immediately. Does anyone? If you know Mark, he uses that word over and over again, right? Immediately and immediately and immediately, right? Mark's the quickest book. It's the shortest book. Mark chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 38. And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not. What? For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me, for he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying just because they're a different stripe, can I put it that way? <laughs> but they're still love. The, they're still following the Lord. Still, they still love him. Now I understand here there's a context in Christ presenting the kingdom and the Jews and all that. I know all that. What I'm just saying is that just because he wasn't with their group, Jesus said, no, don't forbid him. By the way, if you're interested in the parallel passage, which we won't turn to, it's Luke 9, 49 to 50. But can I take you to one more spot for fights? Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter number one. Beginning in verse 14 and this is vitally important I really believe this is important and this is why I'm focusing in on this so much because it's a tactic of people, I've seen it happen it's a tactic of people who want to significantly change the, uh, the direction of an institution or a group of people or whatever one of the ways they will do that is say well hey, all that matters is the gospel, nothing else matters at all my uh, I'll, my alma mater, I graduated from Northland Baptist Bible College. The leadership that came in after Dr. Les Ola did this exact thing, said the only thing that matters is the gospel. It doesn't, nothing else is important. And they were able to change the entire nature of the institution, which of course they lost their base and they don't exist as a Bible college anymore. And so what I'm trying to show you is from God's word that Oh, there are things that are important, especially for compatibility. I'll, I'll elaborate that on a second. But look at this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 14 says this. And many of the brethren in the Lord... By the way, that's important. These are not heretics. These are not non-believers. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What are they speaking? Their own opinion? No, speak the word. "'Without fear, some indeed preach Christ, "'even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. "'The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, "'supposing to add affliction to my bonds, "'but the other of love, "'knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. "'What then? "'Notwithstanding every way, "'whether in pretense or in truth, "'Christ is preached. "'And therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice.'" Now, there were some qualifications. These are brethren. And who are they preaching? They're preaching the word, they're preaching Christ. But because of that, Paul could say, listen, they're different. They're, they're even badly motivated. I mean, what kind of motivation is that? Paul's in bonds. So let's preach more. <laughs> I don't know. But humans, we're weird sometimes. Also, he said some growing more bold. Maybe it was that some people who didn't really feel like they were as qualified to speak out, well, we'll let Paul do it. Well, Paul's stuck now. He can't do what he was doing. It's not like they had, you know, Zoom and Facebook and, you know, YouTube to get the message out. Other people had to step up. You know, that's, I know this is an extra. It's a 30-second detour, okay? Can you follow me for a 30-second detour? Sometimes God will hinder or hamper the ministry of someone over here so that someone else has to learn to step up you know sometimes god does things like that that's just a little side note but this uh, this issue of fights fights are among family we're not talking heresy here we're not talking about people who don't know the lord can i'm going to give you i'm going to go on a limb here a little bit and i know it's dangerous to do this all right uh, and if, if you don't like some of these or whatever, I, hopefully you get to know me this week. My spiritual gift is actually mercy, above all things, uh, and with a healthy dose of teaching and uh, exhortation thrown in, okay? So that tells you a little bit about who I am. I really believe that that mercy comes in handy because a good evangelist will come in and help a church, not, not hurt a church. So, uh, so my goal this week is to be a help to you. Uh, But you can't do that without being applicable. Like, you got to make an application somewhere. Truth can't just sit up here and we don't apply it. That'd be easy, right? Never get convicted about anything. Woo! (laughs) All right, here's a couple things I wrote down, so I'd say it the same way at every church, all right? Closed versus close communion. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, a lot of you do. Interesting. Nice, you must have been taught. Uh, clo- a lot of people don't know what that is we don't believe in open communion which open communion is doesn't matter what you believe you can just come take partake of the lord's table uh-uh there are some who believe in close communion my church that i grew up in is calvary baptist church of midland michigan not too far away from here uh, they practice close communion which means if you're a a, a, a A believer in jesus christ and you're following the lord but maybe you're visiting for that sunday or you're up for vacation or whatever you're welcome to partake of the lord's table some churches teach closed communion where you have to be a member of that particular church in order to partake of the lord's table well this is definitely the lord's table is nothing to mess around with so it's an important issue but is it a fundamental of the faith it's not so it fits in this middle category um let's see Here's another one here: uh, How long do you wait to be baptized after you trust Christ? I've been in some churches where it's, they trusted Christ in the Sunday morning service, and in the Sunday morning service, they get baptized. <laughs> Woo! That's pretty fast. Uh, and, and uh, I've been in some places where they actually actively discourage that and they say, hey, we wanna make sure that you really know what you're doing and so you might be six weeks later or the, maybe they do a baptism uh, service every quarter or something like that and uh, it, does the Bible give us clear instruction on that? Uh, I would say it doesn't tell us a specific time period. We do have accounts of people trusting Christ and immediately getting baptized so it can't be wrong to do it that way but we also understand, we want to make sure people understand, right? So, what is that? It, well, it's an important topic. Baptism is an important topic, but it's certainly not a funeral. It's more than a fuss. So, there we go. There's a fight. How about um, how about timing of the rapture, the return of Christ? Ooh, I can't believe you mentioned that on Sunday morning. I'm a premillennial, pre trib guy. I really believe that the Bible teaches that Christ is going, he's the next thing. There's nothing else that has to happen before Christ returns. We were uh, in a church not too long ago uh, down where we live now in Pensacola, Florida, where we came to find out that uh, the pastor there took a really strong stand uh, uh, against a pre-trib rapture and instead was, he said he was mid-trib, he's much, he was really post-trib. And uh, you know what? I didn't go on my blog and blast him. I didn't send out an email saying, I found a heretic. No, of course not. He's a good brother in Christ. We disagreed on this issue. So it's a compatibility issue, not a separation issue. Now, I did joke around with him a little bit. I said, you know, brother, maybe the Lord would allow us to uh, go in, in accordance with our view. So when the trumpet sounds, I'm going up, I can just wave and say, oh, see, told you. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it's not going to work that way, okay? But uh, that was a a show of good-naturedness, right? Uh, uh, Why? Because he's my brother in Christ, and he's standing for the truth, and I'll I'll gladly share a prison cell with him. You know, there are even, I don't want to confuse anyone here, so let me be very, very clear. If you go back in history, you'll find some old line Pentecostals, who would be brothers and sisters in Christ, let me give you one in particular, Leonard Ravenhill. If you've ever read Leonard Ravenhill, you can't read more than a paragraph of Leonard Ravenhill without getting convicted. He was old line Pentecostal. And the reason I say old line is today Pentecostals and Charismatics are kind of all in the same batch. It wasn't always that way. But I'm saying that simply to say that there are people who love the Lord, and are going to share heaven with us, and it's a family thing. Okay, we're going to do things differently. There's even within our own stripe of uh, Independent Fundamental Baptist, right? There's different stripes. Your church is vastly different than the church we just came from last week. Really, really different. Uh, uh, tons of things are different. Just, just the, the, the whole uh, personality and all this stuff. Does it mean one's better than the other? No. It's just differences, but I think sometimes, oh, i got to mention one more. I can't leave this one out. Music. Oh, Brother Ben. Now listen, there's music out there that purports to be Christian that teaches false doctrine. There is. What category is that in then? It's here. We have to stand against music that teaches a false way of salvation. Why? Because we don't like it? Well, (laughs) actually that makes it more difficult, in my opinion, because then people think you might be standing against it just because uh, you have different tastes. But no, that's not why we stand against that type of music uh, that would teach false doctrine. We stand against it because if it was spoken, I'd still stand against it, right? But is is there music that fits into the middle category? Yeah. Maybe you grew up... um, Uh, in uh, my dad for example I'll give you a family illustration okay my dad grew up uh, as a good Catholic boy uh, in Midland Michigan area and he played jazz jazz rock uh, saxophone piano all that type of stuff and started making his way through Michigan State Christian College there's no such thing Michigan State University (laughs) Uh, playing jazz and, and rock in nightclubs and things like that he was a good Catholic boy so he didn't participate in the immorality that often went along with it but he met my mom who was a uh, fiery witness uh last name of ortega which is latina and my dad's catholic mother was really excited because she thought for sure a latin would be catholic turns out she wasn't she was fiery strong independent baptist (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and start telling them, you could know for sure your sins are forgiven. Well, I'll skip a lot of story, but uh, they went back and forth, back and forth, broke up. Uh, but dad started reading his Bible. Ooh, that's a dangerous thing. You start just reading the Bible for yourself. And he trusted Christ. And you know, for a number of years, as they, then they got married. I came along two years later. I still remember my dad doing jazz rock barely but when they went to enroll me in christian school at that time the school had a standard that said you can't be involved in rock music he said well why not well then they did a study and all this stuff and my dad uh turned over and became a musical conservative a large in large part by studying with dr frank garlock i say all that to say this i didn't grow up associating uh jazz and jazz rock with the things that my dad saw my dad is going to be more sensitive to certain things than I am. Does that mean that I'm right and my dad's wrong, or that my dad's right and I'm wrong? No. It means that there is room here for differences in personality. What if you grew up in the hills of Kentucky? Well, your, your natural understanding of music probably is going to be different than someone who grew up in Maine, or San Diego, or Spain, Right? See, this is, this is a category. Well, I just longed for the time when we didn't fight about things. I longed for the time in Christianity when we were all of one mind. Let's go to the last category, shall we? The last category uh, I call fusses. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we fuss about. By the way, fussing wasn't a term I was familiar with having grown up in mid-Michigan. Uh, I married into the South. Now, my wife grew up M- much of her life part of her life in me- central mexico she does speak spanish um and it's kind of funny because i'm half latino but i don't speak the language <laughs> i have the blood but not the tongue um, she's the opposite she speaks the language but she's white right <laughs> Guera, all right that's what they would call her so we go down to uh mexico on missions trip or to see her side of the family or something all the mexicans talk to me because I'll darken up in the sun, I look just like them, you know, because uh, I have my goatee, it covers up some of my psoriasis here, which is why I have this, but I'll walk through a Walmart here in the United States, and, uh, you know, I'll, I have a mean resting face, I've been told. So, you know, my resting face is kind of like this. My kids will say, are you mad? Dad, are you mad? Mad about what? What are you talking about? You look mad. I'm not mad. I think you're mad. I'm not mad. Well, now I'm mad. But I'll walk through a grocery store here in Mid Michigan or anywhere in the United States and little kids, you know, move away from me a little bit. Mothers will hold their children tight. And I'm just walking down the aisle. But in Mexico, they all think like I'm their uncle and, and such. But they'll ask me questions. And this has been pretty funny at times. They'll ask me questions about her. And I don't know what they're saying. So I've answered some very interesting questions. One guy in particular, he wanted a tip from me. <laughs> but apparently he was, he was like, hey, oh, yeah, yeah. and I was like, see sí, see, sí. <laughs> And she got really red in the face. My father-in-law started chuckling at the end of the table. We were out to eat at a restaurant. What he had said was, you're, he said more words, but he said, you're a, you're a boss, a jefe, a strong Mexican man, because you went up to the United States and got... Aguera, right, uh, a, a, a white American girl, and she had really blonde hair, and instead of her pulling you up to the United States, you brought her down here like a real man, and I'm here going, si, si. <laughs> I had no idea what I was saying yes to, so probably important to learn more Spanish. Uh <clears throat> But I say all that simply to say, I married into the South because Amanda's side of the family, uh, uh, Panhandle of Florida, Alabama, et cetera. I learned what fussing meant by observing it. Fussing is making a lot of noise about something that's not really that important, but maybe it's, you know, I told you, close that back door. If you don't close that back door, if you don't close the screen door, all the mosquitoes are going to come in. They won't be, you know, getting bit all night, and it's going to be terrible, so make sure you do that, right? I'm not even naturally good at it because I didn't grow up with it. My wife can pull it out though, she needs to, right? Fussing is a lot of noise about something that's not that important. For the sake of our discussion as we close up here in the last few minutes, I, I put it this way, that fusses are time and energy and testimony traps where it's not something that's vitally important and it's not even something worth fighting about. Something that I've noticed as I turned, I started noticing it before I turned 40 and now I'm approaching 50, but Dealing with God's people so much of the time, and not being in one place, but dealing with a variety. Listen, God has allowed us to be in a variety of camps, if I can put it that way. Stripes, uh, an above-average amount, because a lot of times evangelists will kind of stick within one kind of camp or category, and the Lord has been very gracious to us in that we we fellowship with a wide variety of of Bible-believing people. I mean. I'm, I'm welcomed at, um, at Maranatha and at West Coast Baptist College and Pensacola Christian College and International Baptist College and Seminary. Mike Sproul, well, he's not there anymore. Some of you will know these terms. And, and I was just up uh, with Matt Morell at uh, Central. Uh, you know, that's kind of a, uh, hopefully I didn't offend somebody, uh, but uh, I'm just teasing, uh, hopefully. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, fuss, fuss. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a privilege, and we count it as a privilege, to be able to fellowship with so many different people that, that have a different angle on them, right? Okay, so fuss is, what is that? Where's your biblical support for this? All right, we're not going to read it all, but do you remember what 1 Corinthians chapter 8 through 10 are all about? I long for a time when when Christianity we didn't fight about anything and everything was we were all together. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is all about meat offered to idols. So is chapter 9. He doesn't wrap it up till chapter 10. It takes three chapters to deal with an early church fuss. So don't believe the 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 lie really that we've you know there was this magical time when we just all agreed on everything. It, it doesn't exist. And it won't until we're in glory. So as, but as I've gotten older, this is what I was going to say about going to so many different places. I've got to guard my energy because we can waste a lot of energy on things that really not only don't matter for eternity, but they don't even matter now. I wrote some down. Are you ready? I know, I know, I know. How about this? Pews versus chairs. By the way, these are all real things that have split churches. Churches. Okay, pews versus, I'm glad to see you have pews here, Pastor. Yeah, <laughs> that's good, I like that. Screens versus projector screens. See so what's the difference? Okay, there was a church, I know this because the pastor told me to my face not more than two years ago. They were using a projector screen similar to yours. It was very old. They decided, he decided instead of, you know, spending all this money on this huge one that had to shoot from the back, he went and got a great deal on two large LED screens, uh, LED, you know, t- televisions, basically, right? And he put those up with the help of some of the men in the church. And a group of people in the church said, "We're not going to do this. We're not going to stand for this. We'll leave the church unless you take those down." He took them down, uh, and I was I'm shocked, right? What's the difference between the t- well? fuss. How about this? Headset mic versus lapel mic. You're headset mic people here, I see. If, by the way, if I switch to my lapel tonight, please don't take it personally. It's, this is like, it's, it doesn't fit my head. It keeps popping off. I'm so sorry. I've tried not, I've tried not to let it, see, it's even sticking out over here. All right. So if I, if you see me on lapel tonight, <laughs> don't be like, oh, I see what's happening. No. <laughs> Uh, It's just, that's not a big thing, right? Well, uh, what about windows in the church? What about color of the carpet? I see you've got kind of a red color of the carpet. Amen, that's the blood of the Lord, amen. (laughs) Glad you didn't compromise. What about Christmas tree in the lobby? Some people get all upset about that. Vacuum cleaners, which brand to buy? Whether a song leader should wear a beard. Ties versus no ties. Dun, dun, dun. I faced this within the last month. Fake flowers versus real flowers. (laughs) We'll see how biblical you are in a moment here. This is my favorite. What chicken vendor to buy from? (laughs) We take our fried chicken seriously, amen? (laughs) Whether to have air conditioning or not. And then I also added music. Say, Brother Ben, you have music in all three categories. Yes, because there's elements in all three categories. I'm going to tell you right now, friends, we've got uh, uh, some resources on our table, one of which is a, both a message on music, which I'll leave out there, but I also wrote a book on music. has the same title called Fusses, Fights, and Funerals, and I'm not making any more copies of it, so if you'd like a copy of it, I'd encourage you to grab one, at least for a while, because, uh, because it's turned into such a thing where people will bring me in to speak on music and will assign to me all kinds of things that I don't say right? So I preached uh, for 45 minutes on music because I believe very strongly in principles that guide us, not a list of rules. So, But people want, they either want one or the other. We're people that have to be extreme all the time. I don't understand it, all right? But I'm just, I'm kind of retiring from that topic as a topic in and of itself, not because uh, I think it's, it's uh, that I've been wrong all these years or anything. I'm actually following one of my mentors Uh, pathways his name is Ron Hamilton I asked him years ago I said you used to speak on music a lot and he said yeah I retired from that I said well why he said because (laughs) first of all he said there's so many clear things in scripture that that we can spend all our time on but the other thing was he said I found that you can't um, you can't argue someone into spirituality and he said I'm just going to focus in on creating the best music I possibly can and you know, I really empathize with that. It was about 10 years ago. But listen, if the song's heretical, um, it's in this category. Maybe someone's got music that's different than you in the middle category, and it's not gonna match with your church. Okay, well, yeah. There's churches that I'll preach in, but I couldn't join their staff. Doesn't mean that either of us are sinful brothers. Just means a compatibility issue. Then there are some fusses. There's some fusses where You know, I had one church that said, Brother Ben, we'd like you to come in, and we'd like you to do your a cappella music, but can you not use any background tracks? (laughs) Now think about that for a moment. I can't literally physically sing eight voices at the same time, right? I I can't do it so that was that's a fuss right I understand use your own musicians and things I understand all that I grew up like that okay I understand that concept but but that's not on the level of of a fight at least it shouldn't be let's close with this who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master he standeth or falleth yea he shall be holding up for God is able to make him stand I'm skipping down to verse 10 Romans 14, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we all shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, friends, the reason I brought this up at the beginning of the week is that as we go from here, hopefully these three categories will help you. I've talked with folks uh, when they're getting ready to have, we're gonna have Thanksgiving, you know, with friends and family. We're gonna have Christmas and then New Year's. And topics can come up. And it's helpful to know, okay, is this a fuss topic where I can just, you know, I don't want to, I don't have to waste time on it. Is it a fight topic where it's internal? And by the way, i said that on purpose. Actually, it was an observation my wife made. She said, you know, fights should stay in the body of Christ. So I preached on a fight issue last week on a Sunday night and I asked them not to live stream it. Why? Because it was internal. It's of the family of Christ. Let's not put our dirty laundry out for the lost world to see and say, look, they can't even agree. I think we need a little bit more of this type of thing sometimes. We're talking with people one-on-one and in, not everything has to be broadcast all the time, right? But then of course, hey, let's stand together on the funeral level issues. And knowing these three categories, hopefully will be an encouragement and a help to you as we go forward. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, I'm just gonna turn the service over and uh, to be closed, as, as pastor sees fit, we we'll may be here this morning and I never want to take for granted that there might not be somebody in the sound of my voice that's never trusted Christ. I know this message is primarily geared towards Christians, but hopefully you sense that the truth of the gospel is important. The fact that God is holy and we are not. That God is high and lifted up and we are automatically, because of our sin, condemned to a terrible place called hell. By the way, God didn't make hell originally for humans. It was created for devil and his angels. But friend, anyone who refuses to accept Christ's payment on the cross of Calvary, we're condemning ourselves in a sense. So if you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching online and you've never trusted Christ, oh friend, would you do so this morning? Admit you're a sinner Realize that your sin debt was paid on the cross of Calvary as Jesus died, and then he rose again, the Bible says, to show he's got power over sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. And if you'll trust him this morning, you can be saved. And Christians, maybe there's been an issue in your life that you've let fall into the wrong category. Maybe you've been treating a a fuss more like a fight. Or maybe you've been treating a fuss, hopefully not, but maybe like a, like a funeral. Or maybe you've been tempted to go the other way, to take something that's really important like a funeral level issue and maybe for sake of getting along with someone else, you've been tempted to kind of put it in the middle category or a fuss perhaps. And Oh, wherever this finds you, would you just acknowledge that to the Lord if the Holy Spirit convicts you? Dear Lord, I thank you for the truth of, truth of your word. I thank you for these dear brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm looking forward to a wonderful week here. But as we begin out, Lord, would you help us to discern? Help us to put the right kind of emphasis as one man said years ago, major on the majors, minor on the minors. Lord, so we can be as effective as possible for you in this dying world that doesn't need more fusses. But Lord, they need a group of people who are thoroughly committed to you. Lord, we love you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.